tell you why, um, why there's been a bit of kerfuffle. Um, Chris Parry was going to play this morning, but he's tested positive for COVID. And um, we wrongly assumed that Sue was away. And she's turned up and she's going to play. <laughs> so thank you very much. So just bear with us if there's a sort of slight gap while we sort out music and things like that. And thank you, Ian, so much for being prepared to stand in with YouTubes. Um, it was much appreciated. <laughs> Um, while we're waiting, sure, Peter, do you want to come up and give some notices? Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Uh, Ash Wednesday is on Wednesday, as you probably know, so we have a service here at 7 p.m. Uh, to mark the beginning of Lent. So that'll be here, and uh, I hope it'll be online as well, actually. So. Uh, if you want to watch it from home, uh, that'll be fine. Uh, next Sunday, we have a 9 o'clock and a 10.45, and it's, a t it's an all-age service at 10.45, just so you know uh, that's happening at 10.45. Uh, I have some very sad news to tell you. I don't know how many of you know, uh, but Duncan Headley has passed away. Uh, he died in hospital on Friday evening. Uh, he, was, uh, he was very poorly and yet I was, I was uh, shocked and surprised when I heard the news uh, from Margaret. So uh, we need to keep Margaret very much in our prayers at this time. Uh, it's going to be a very difficult time for her. So let's pray for her now, shall we? Father, we, at this very difficult time for Margaret, we lift her to you as she uh, mourns the passing of her dear husband, Duncan. And Lord, we can only begin to imagine how, how much pain and heartache there will be as she, misses, as she misses Duncan. And yet, Lord, also we know that Duncan is now safe with you, that he is now in the glorious company of the saints in heaven. Uh, so, Lord, we, we lift Margaret to you, and we ask that you are surrounded with your love and your peace at this time, and that you would journey with her in these days and weeks and months ahead. Be with her, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. Let's stand together and sing our first hymn, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken. It's number 127, but I think the words are up there. So everything's working well this morning. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> reverts to number 127 in our books.
Thank you. Please be seated. The Lord be with you. We say together the prayer of preparation. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolve to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbor in thought and word and deed through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault, we are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you. Pardon and deliver you from all your sins. Confirm and strengthen you in all goodness and keep you in life eternal through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's say the Gloria together. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, Heavenly King, Almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Receive our prayer, for you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. I was struck by the poignancy of that first sentence. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. And we're going to be praying later about the situation in Ukraine. So let's have our reading now from Matthew 25. And Pauline is going to bring it. And then John is going to bring us the word. The reading is from the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 25, and reading from verse 14. <clears throat> Again, that is, the kingdom of God will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. 
To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good morning to you folks online as well. Good to have you with us. As I look out, I see that um, all you good folks will recognize the reference I'm about to make to Max Bygraves. You're of a certain age, folks, let's admit it. Max Bygraves, as you know, <coughs> used to have that line, let me tell you a story. I apologize uh, if I offended Max Bygraves fans by my, my impersonation of him. But he used to tell his stories. Jesus was a master storyteller. He was able to use ordinary, common events and situations and teach Simple, straightforward truths. He used a lot of agricultural images and fishing images because that was the main work of, of the people of that time. He used weddings and journeys, 
relationships in families, relationships between master and servant, all things people could relate to, and he used them to make a spiritual point. And every one of the parables in this series begins with, the kingdom of heaven is like. So that's what Jesus is talking about with these particular stories. Usually, the stories that Jesus told have one point to make. And the small uh, details are unimportant. And we can try and pick these parables to pieces. And uh, you know, what, what's the uh, significance of the donkey in the Good Samaritan story? Well, you know, it was a donkey. <laughs> That's all there is to it. Uh, that really has no great significance in what Jesus was trying to say. The parables were very powerful stories as Jesus spoke them. Very powerful. Um, partly because they have cultural references and significance which we are unaware of, they lose a, a little bit of that power. And uh, a lot of their power also depends on the surprise at the end. And nearly all of the stories that Jesus told had a little twist in the end. Now, We've read these loads of times. It's like hearing a joke for the 10th time. You know, the, the surprise, the joke really uh, falls flat. And because we know the surprise, it's not as effective to us. But in those days, the stories that Jesus told would have been shocking to lots of people who were listening. Now, there are lots of ways of uh, approaching the parables. And what follows is a very simple process, because I'm a very simple person. But this simple process, I think helps us to understand the parables, especially the story parables like this one. And of course, I need to say, uh, other methods of studying the parables are available. But begin with context. The story is told in relation sometimes to a question he's just been asked, or it's on a topic that he's just been teaching about. And here, the context is the end times. If you read what's before that, Jesus has been talking to the disciples about when the Son of Man comes again. And he's saying there's, there's going to be this great event in the future. And uh, he, he says uh, terrible things are going to happen before. He explains what they are. And uh, he says his coming will be sudden and unexpected. People, people will be shocked by this because it will happen in the twinkling of an eye. And the parable of the bridesmaids, which we looked at uh, last week, as part of this section, was about watching and being ready for this great event to happen. And this parable follows immediately that one about the bridesmaids and is also about the end times. When this great event that Jesus talks about, when he's coming again uh, and uh, every eye will see him and clouds of glory, oh, he's, this is the context of the parable that he has told us. Secondly, look for a contrast. Very often in the parables, there's, there's a contrast. Five wise bridesmaids, five foolish ones. Um, there's a, there's a, a son who leaves home and wastes his money. There's a son who stays at home and works hard. There are people who go and work at a vineyard for uh, a day and get paid uh, a, a denarius. And there are people who turn up at the last hour and they get a denarius as well. There's, there's, a, there's a difference. What's going on here? The man who built his house on the rock, the man who built his house on the sand. And Jesus said, look at this, look at this. What's the difference? Well, here we've got two servants who took the money that it was entrusted to them, and they used the money to good effect. It was quite a substantial sum of money. If you look at the commentary, some say it was about 250 pounds. One person says it's about a year's wages, and one person says it's about 10 years' wages. So take your pick. But it's a lot of money. They were being entrusted with a great deal. So those two took the money and used it to good effect, and then there was another one, as you know, who took it and buried it in the garden. So Jesus, look at this, look at this. So looking at the contrast, the question seems to be about how we are judged on the way we have used what God has given us. How we are judged on the way we use what God has given us. Context, contrast, the third C, surprise. Did you see what I did there? No. Now, we look for a surprise. As I said before, there are many 
uh, stories, there is a surprise at the end. Remember the Pharisee and the tax collector who went to pray, the story that Jesus told. And the Pharisee went up and, Lord, here I am, and this is the wonderful things I've done. And, yeah, I'll go. And, and, the, and the tax collector who groveled in the corner, who wouldn't even look up and said, what a miserable sinner I am. And then Jesus says, guess who went home justified? And everybody thought, well, you're the Pharisee. The tax collector. That would have been outrageous. Uh, the surprise is, um, in this one, is about the reward. The surprise here is about the reward. The servants who've doubled their money are richly rewarded. The master says, come and sit at my table, join with me. One, one uh, commentary talks about you, the servant was invited into partnership with the master. Wow, how generous. But the servant who did nothing with what he'd been entrusted with, he wasn't sent back to servitude. He was kicked out. He was kicked out. And the, the, the contrast in the road, one is extravagantly generous and one seems incredibly harsh. But this echoes the story of the bridesmaids from last week. The foolish bridesmaid who had to go off and find oil, they didn't just miss out on the first course of the banquet. It's just they weren't excluded from the group photos. When they got back, the master said, go away, I don't know you. They were totally excluded. So the pr surprise in this is very much in the reward that the various servants had. Now, once you've looked at context, contrast, surprise, you can start thinking about the meaning. What point was Jesus making in this story? And generally, there's one simple meaning. These were simple stories for the common people, and we shouldn't try and complicate them with layers of meaning. And here, the meaning is related to, as we said, the end times when Jesus comes again. And in this story, he makes it clear that at that time, there will be a judgment. That we are all held accountable and rewarded for what we have done with what we have been given. So there's the meaning. And this story is closely linked with the story of the bridesmaids, as I said, which we looked at. Uh, they follow each other, and they both concern the end times and the judgment which will happen. Whilst the bridesmaid story says that those who aren't ready for this coming will be excluded, this uh, story of the talents speaks of the judgment that will come. Now, this is uncomfortable territory for us. Speaking of judgment and exclusion. It's the elephant in the room, Christians, these days. It seems that we don't like to talk about these things. Judgment and dare I say, I'll say it quietly, hell. We don't like to talk about that. We don't use those words. And, and I'm sure nobody wants to return to hell fire sermons when... Uh, you know, ministers preach for an hour and a half trying to frighten people into hell. But we seem to have gone to the other extreme. These things aren't mentioned at all. And in, do, in doing so, we, we've removed a key part of the gospel. If there's no judgment, sin doesn't matter. There's no sin, there are no consequences of sin. And if that's true, there is no need for Jesus dying on the cross. If we leave this out, we weaken the gospel. It loses its power. It's, it's watered down. All that we're left with is some cozy, come and, come and enjoy God's love. Oh, it's lovely to be part of this. It's, it's a sort of souped up version of the Women's Institute or the Bowls Club. We have taken away the point of the gospel. So this is, this is important. And just in case you think I'm laboring this point on just 
basis of a few verses in Matthew's gospel, that, you know, there's two verses, two parables. Jesus speaks about judgment and exclusion a lot of times, 17 times in Matthew's gospel alone, there is mention of these things. And Jesus speaks of the fires of hell, men giving an account on the day of judgment, gnashing of teeth six times in this gospel. Going to be a, a lot of work for dentists. The sorting out at the end of time with sheep and goats, with some going to eternal punishment and others to eternal life. It's there. Jesus spoke about it a lot. And if Jesus spoke about these things so often and so clearly, surely we can't ignore them. And this is, this is difficult territory. I know this is hard, and many of us bulk against the idea of the suffering implied. And, and perhaps it's made worse by the pictures of hell. That we, you know, it's all about the fires of hell. Actually, the word that Jesus used apparently was Gehenna, and that was the rubbish dump outside the city. There were fires there, but maybe it was Jesus saying, you're going to be excluded, you're going to be out with the rubbish. That's your choice. In truth, we know very little about hell, and there are all sorts of theories and suggestions about what it is. C.S. Lewis pictured it as a grey and gloomy and dismal place where people existed in despairing isolation. I have to say that I can, I can only think of it as life without God forever. Life without God forever. And some people may think, well, that, you know, okay, that's bearable. But actually, if you, if you remove God, if, if it's life without God, it's life denied the provision of common grace, the sun that rises by day, the rain, the wind, the wonderful world that's around us and every way in which God provides for us to, to eat and drink and live. All gone. All gone. So much that we don't know. And I'm sure we, we agree that hellfire sermons are unhelpful and inappropriate. But to neglect these truths of judgment and exclusion, that's wrong as well. Now, Jesus was clear that when he comes again, there is judgment to be faced. We will be held accountable for what we have done with what we have been given. So, uh, context, contrast, surprise, meaning, application. How does this affect us, and how should we respond? Whilst there will be one meaning, there will be many applications. This story is about how we use what God has given us. And that's everything. But especially, I think, we need to think about the gifts and talents that we have. The ways in which God has blessed us. And it, it's important, I want to make this clear, that this is in no way about our salvation. This parable is not saying that... Uh, uh, you can be banished from God's presence by failure to use your gifts. Salvation by faith alone, not by works, is the strong message of Scripture. It's in Scripture everywhere. So you cannot interpret this parable against the rest of Scripture. If we trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are saved and we can be confident of our place with him in heaven. But it is clear that even though we're secure in our salvation, that we will still be called to account for the way that we've lived. It's about whether we receive the well done, thou good and faithful servant, or whether we come before him ashamed because we have squandered the opportunities that he has given us to serve him. Each of us has been gifted by God in particular ways, and he expects us to use those gifts in his service. He grants us his gifts, as it says in this parable, each according to our abilities. He does not expect from us anything he has not gifted us for. He does not expect me to play the piano for you on a Sunday because he's not gifted me in that. In fact, sometimes I sort of think God's saying to me, John, your voice is terrible. Please don't sing either. You know, 
but you know he he enjoys the singing of the crows and the canaries so I, I think I'm all right there but I'm not gifted for music now some gifts are obvious the evangelist the musician the cook the DIY whiz others are much less obvious often carried out quietly and unobtrusively the listeners the prayers the carers and the like but all these gifts are important all used by God to bring blessing and further the kingdom now excuse me I think we need to recognize that our gifts and what God calls us to may change over time there are seasons in our lives and in those seasons God calls us often in different ways when I was young um, I can still remember some of that I was involved in doing you know leading young people's groups and doing crazy things which I couldn't possibly manage today even if I wanted to as we get older we might have less energy we might be less mobile but actually we often have more time and more experience and God calls us to serve him in different ways and also I want to suggest that there is no retirement in the kingdom of God as we age we tend to think about that yeah what we can offer is limited I can't run around with the kids anymore I, I I haven't got the strength and energy to do the work party maintaining the building but you know that doesn't mean that you can sit on the sidelines and watch as we get physically less able we have other opportunities you know, we, even if you can't get out of home you can lift the phone and talk to people and support them and encourage them we need lots of that going on it what it's what makes us a fellowship that we love one another and we care for one another and you can do that even if if you can't get out of the chair more importantly we can pray I know some of us are retired say oh I don't know how I managed to find time to work I'm so busy but actually the truth is we've got lots more time and we can pray I know a lady in a former church who never left the house she spent all day in her kitchen and you go first time I went to visit her I thought oh what we're going to say to this Bob but she's really fed up and depressed and she was the most delightful person I think I've, I've, I've ever met and she was a prayer warrior for God in that place wonderful as you get old don't think you retire from active service because you can be more involved in the most important ministry in the life of the church we need an army of people who will pray so the question is what are you doing with the gifts God has given you one servant buried what he'd been given he was timid he acted out of fear he did nothing unproductive inactivity was the description in one commentary I like that mm. and the master called him to account and found the servant had wasted the opportunities he'd been given it's possible that Jesus had the Pharisees in mind with this depiction um, it's thought that he was saying to them look you're the chosen people of God God's revealed himself to you you have this precious thing and you have kept it to yourself you've wrapped it up in restrictions and laws and basically you've buried it so he's saying to the, 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 the Pharisees you you've shown no adventure in this gift that I've given you at all you've kept it for yourself two servants had been busy they made profits for the master they they'd taken risks they'd worked hard and produced the increase the master was looking for Barclay says there can be no religion without adventure and God finds no use for the shut mind I like that the idea that God gives us gifts and talents and he doesn't want us to receive them passively and timidly and protect them for fear of making a mistake 
He wants us to take risks, to go on an adventure with him, to say, look, this is what God's given me. Let's see what I can do with it. Let's see what God can do with it through me. He wants us to step outside of our comfort zones and see, see what God does to further the kingdom. One servant was shamed by the master for failing to use what he'd been given. How sad when we face him to be in that position. Two servants used what they had been given to great effect and were received with great joy and generous rewards. Which would you rather be? Will he say to you, well done, thou good and faithful servant? Amen. Thank you, John. Let's continue our service now um, with our intercessions. Now, these have been produced by the um, Church of England um, with the situation in Ukraine in mind. So let's pray together. When I say the words, Lord, in your mercy, please could you respond, hear our prayer. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. We pray for the leaders of the nations that you will guide them in the ways of freedom, justice, and truth. Lord, in your mercy, hear us. We pray for those who bear arms on behalf of the nation, that they may have discipline and discernment, courage, and compassion. Lord, in your mercy, hear We pray for our enemies and for those who wish us harm, that you will turn the hearts of all to kindness and friendship. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the wounded and the captive, the grieving and the homeless, that in all their trials they may know your love and support. Lord, in your mercy, hear up. Most holy God and Father, Hear our prayers for all who strive for peace, particularly in those areas where there is war, particularly in the Ukraine, and all who fight for justice in those regions. Help us who today might remember the cost of war to work for a better tomorrow. And as we commend to you those who have lost loved ones in terror and conflict, bring us all in the end to the peace of your presence through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let's continue as we say a responsive version of the Creed. 
Do you believe and trust in God the Father, source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? We believe and trust in him. Do you believe? I think we've got a little bit of a kink somewhere. <laughs> Let's carry on and join in the words you know, and if you don't know them, then listen in your heart. I think we'll start again, shall we? So do you believe and trust in God the Father, source of all being and life, the one for whom we exist? And the response is, we believe and trust in him. So let's say, we believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Son, who took our human nature, died for us, and rose again? We believe and trust in him. Do you believe and trust in God the Holy Spirit who gives life to the people of God and makes Christ known in the world? We believe and trust in him. I'll say the next sentence and then maybe you repeat it. This is the faith of the church. This is our faith. We believe and trust in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Well, God knows that we were um, saying those words in our hearts, even if it came out a little bit disjointed. So let's stay seated and say the peace to one another. Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. And let us offer each other a sign of peace. And we're going, we're going to sing a song before communion. And it's Songs of Fellowship 894.
Uh, we're going to continue with communion. If you would prefer to sit, please do. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, you made the world and you love your creation. You gave your Son, Jesus Christ, to be our Saviour. His dying and rising have set us free from sin and death. And so we gladly thank you with saints and angels, praising you and saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. We praise and bless you, loving Father, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as we obey his command, send your Holy Spirit that broken bread and wine outpoured may be for us the body and blood of your dear Son. On the night before he died, he had supper with his friends, and taking bread, he praised you. He broke the bread, gave it to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when supper was ended, he took the cup of wine, Again he praised you, gave it to them, and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So, Father, we remember all that Jesus did. In him, we plead with confidence his sacrifice made once for all upon the cross, bringing before you the bread of life and the cup of salvation. We proclaim his death and resurrection until he comes in glory. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Lord of all life, Help us to work together for that day when your kingdom comes and justice and mercy will be seen in all the earth. Look with favour on your people, gather us in your loving arms and bring us with all the saints to feast at your table in heaven. Through Christ and with Christ and in Christ in the unity of the Holy Spirit. All honour and glory are yours, O loving Father, for ever and ever. Amen. As our Saviour taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body because we all share in one bread. Please come forward as the stewards direct and we will um, maintain our practice of recent months where we receive our bread and wine, take it back to our seats and, and all consume together. We do have gluten-free if anyone would prefer.
the body of Christ, keep you in eternal life. And the blood of Christ keep you in eternal life. Before we say our prayer after communion, let's pray for those of our fellowship who are infirm or frail or grieving. Father, we bring before you those of our number who are frail or infirm, who are in residential care or hospital, And Father, we particularly bring before you Margaret Headley this morning. And we think of David Rauch as well. And Jenny. And Lord, we ask that they will know in abundance your peace and your presence with them. Lord, that you will be alongside them in their trials and their grief. And that they may know the eternal hope to which they are called. Amen. So let's say together, Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. We're going to sing our final song. It's uh, Songs of Fellowship 418. O Jesus, I have promised.
I'd particularly like to thank Sue for stepping up to play for us this morning, and for Ian for coping with a system that had a lot of gremlins in it, and for John on the um, desk at the back there. Um, just a, a, another final notice. Um, next, through Lent, we're going to be looking particularly at prayer, and Peter has planned a, a sermon series on prayer. Um, as well as that, if anyone would like to explore contemplative prayer a little bit, then I with Libby's support are, have, are running uh, four sessions on a Monday afternoon via Zoom, which anyone is welcome to join in with. It, it will be um, not um, a theoretical time, but it will be a time to experience praying together in a contemplative fashion. If you would like to be part of that, please get in touch with me and I will send you a Zoom link. And so, to close our service, a blessing. God the Father, by whose glory Christ was raised from the dead, strengthen you to walk with him in his risen life. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Thank you.